that that stigma it really prevents people from coming out and saying i have this issue and they try to hide it and they try to self-medicate and they try to do other things so that people don't notice and it just gets worse and worse and worse the rush to get back to whatever quote unquote normal is by some provincial governments opened up everyone in particular the workers on the front lines um, to being vulnerable this is Pandemic at Work, an SGU podcast. My name is Amy Husiak, and this week we're talking about how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected workers' mental health. It's no secret that people are struggling. Economic upheaval, changes to work, job losses, family stress, and constant worry about catching COVID have led to deteriorating mental health for many workers throughout this pandemic. In a study done by the Canadian Mental Health Association after the second wave, 40% of Saskatchewan people reported worsening mental health since the onset of COVID. But it was worse for some than others. 61% of Canadians who already live with mental health issues reported worsening mental health, as did the same number of Canadians who were unemployed. The numbers also show that more women were reporting worsening mental health than men, as were significant numbers of Indigenous people and LGBTQ2S plus folks. And that was back during the second wave. We're in the fourth wave now. Workers in Saskatchewan have experienced mental health challenges differently throughout this pandemic, and we could approach this from many directions. The stress on essential frontline workers throughout the pandemic. The stressors of working at home while also caring full-time for kids who are out of school. The intersection of mental health with addictions, particularly relevant in our province. And the increasing burnout of healthcare workers who haven't had a break in 18 months with no end in sight. But this episode we've decided to focus on solutions, because as bad as workers' mental health has gotten, there are lots of people working behind the scenes to help. To talk about the impact that the pandemic has had on workers' mental health and what unions are doing to provide some much-needed support, we have two guests with us today. First, we have Sharon Lupton, the National Director of Labour Programs and Services with the United Way Centre Aid Canada and the Canadian Labour Congress, who is joining us today from Ottawa. Welcome to the podcast, Sharon. Thanks so much, Amy. So happy to be here today. Our second guest today is Corey Linfit, an SGU member, volunteer firefighter, and a member of the SASC First Responders Mental Health Committee. Welcome to the show, Corey. Thanks for having me. Sharon, I want to start with you. Paint us a picture of how the pandemic has impacted workers' mental health across Canada. So I think everyone has experienced some level of stress and anxiety throughout this entire pandemic. Um, Early on, I think most workers were worried and anxious about lack of personal protective equipment, especially those on the front lines. And the public health responses were were slow and varied and changed, it seemed, from day to day. So I think the anxiety and the stress levels were quite high. As time has gone on, and especially with the front line and the healthcare workers in particular, there's, I think, real risk of burnout and and uh, compassion fatigue as well. So is it just anecdotal or has there really been a rise in demand for mental health supports in Saskatchewan during the pandemic? Mental health assessment and treatment ranked number one in Saskatchewan in the needs identified 
from January of 2021 to July of 2021. So the first half of this year, it ranked number one. And that is an increase of 891% over the same period last year. So again, mental health concerns are predominantly of concern to people that are looking for supports and services in their communities. Have you seen mental health concerns among workers playing out equally? Have people in different sectors been impacted in different ways? I do believe that the frontline, the healthcare workers, those working in uh, long-term care facilities, essential workers, where you're dealing with the public and, and people, I think have a, probably a higher level of anxiety and stress, the added stress of potentially taking the virus home to your loved ones um, compounds that that worry. And I think too, with burnout and compassion fatigue really um, beginning to show on that front, they've been going nonstop. Call of duty has been heroic, and yet there's people that are now protesting hospitals and, uh, you know, the anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers are really, I think, compounding that um, feeling of, I've given everything, I have no more left to give in many cases. I think, too, there's, you know, the education workers and um, all workers who had the privilege of working from home, but also had to worry about their, their kids' schooling and homeschooling their kids through all of this, too. So there's layers and layers across all sectors. Corey, let's go to you next. How have you seen this play out here in Saskatchewan and in your role as a volunteer firefighter? Well, the first thing was when you go to a call for the firefighting is, do we have the proper PPE? Should we be helping this person the way we would normally help? Um, a lot of people, when we go to the calls, you're not thinking about throwing on a face shield before you go to a patient and check their vitals. So it took a while to get used to doing that. It's been pretty complex. Um, another one was for people in our department and in our work, do I have to be vaccinated to do this? Or And I can't get my shot right now, so am I on the sidelines? There's a lot of unknowns before, so it, it was really complicated on what we can do and what we can't do. Tell us a little bit about your community and how the pandemic has impacted people where you live. Well, I'm in a community of... Well, 750 people live in the one town, and we have about 3,000 people that live in our RM completely. The biggest impact it's had on people is the unknown. Nobody knowing what was taking place from one day to the next. Like one day our schools were shut down and we had to figure out home care and homeschooling for our kids. And with two working parents and pretty much everybody's household now, it was hard to find childcare and be able to stay at home with your children. And what kind of mental health concerns have you heard from people in your community? Stress. Lots, lots of stress. Um, same thing when with at our workplace, when people were first starting to get COVID, it was, well, is my sick time going to be prepaid to me? Is what, what happens now? Like I'm off work for 14 days. Am I still getting paid? And what happens if I get COVID again? Because now if I used up all my sick time, what takes place? Am I on leave without pay? Or so... It's caused a lot of anxiety. I think that people who live in cities might not know that a lot of these services in rural areas are provided by volunteers. Can you describe the role of volunteer first responders in rural Saskatchewan? 
basically we just want to be able to help people. We want uh, services to be a lot faster than what they would have been if we weren't there. And currently, now that we're there, we cut uh, rescue extrication times from an hour, hour and a half down to 20 minutes. We're not funded very well. Nobody wants taxes. Nobody wants extra money spent. And that's why we do it. Nobody can afford to pay a million dollar year budget to have fire trucks and have a, a 24 hour fire department. So it's, it's a challenge, but it's definitely needed. And it's great to get the support from the community and from the employers. Cause a lot of our employers for the guys that we work with, when they get called out, they cover them off. They say, go. So it's, it's an awesome, awesome group to be a part of. And it turns into a family, not a, not a job. Sharon, I want to go back to you because you alluded to this in your opening comments. What kind of impact has the shifting advice and inconsistent messaging from the government had on workers' mental health across different sectors? And on the flip side, have we seen any extra support coming from governments across Canada to expand mental health services? So I think the inconsistencies have really played uh, havoc (laughs) with people's mental health. Opening up too soon has created the second, the third, and now the fourth wave. I think the rush to get back to whatever quote-unquote normal is by some provincial governments opened up everyone, in particular the workers on the front lines, um, to being vulnerable to a virus. The availability of vaccines was very slow at first as well relative to other countries because we don't produce our own vaccines in Canada. And so I think that that was uh, creating uh, a level of anxiety and worry and stress on a lot of workers. And I think um, in terms of what has the government done for support, Statistically, half of Canadians that are referred to mental health counselling are on a waiting list at least a month. That jumps up to, in some communities, up to four months of a wait. So it's really dismal. It's underfunded. um, And as staff burns out, it becomes even worse. In many cases, the funding is now secondary to the people because people are leaving the um, the profession in healthcare because they're burned out because of the stress of of uh, fighting COVID for the last year and a half with little or no support and so it, it's really I think a dire circumstance that we're facing we're going to be in crisis for shortage of workers in that sector in the, the front line too I think it's been very um, frustrating to say the least for people um, to not know one day to the next who's shut down can we go here Uh, do we need a mask do we need this do we need that it seems to be all over the map I want to pick up on what Sharon just said about accessing mental health supports uh, because we know there's a lot of gaps here in Saskatchewan wait times to get in to see counselors and psychiatrists are quite high especially in the north Addictions are an increasing issue in our communities as we've seen overdoses increase since the start of COVID. Uh, So Corey, this question is to you. Can you tell us a little bit about what mental health supports are available in your community and what you've been doing to help fill some of the gaps? 
they're hard to access. <laughs> As we were saying, uh, pound two on one, we use quite a bit for referrals to people. Um, that's basically all we can do is give referrals. So over needed right now that everybody's booked up. Um, with our Saskatchewan First Responder Mental Health, we have a self-assessment tool that you can use to see if you need extra help and whatnot. Um, basically, what we're doing at the Saskatchewan First Responder Mental Health is trying to streamline first responders, such as paramedics, firefighters, corrections officers, to get the help you need. And once you get that help, then hopefully we can get you back to work sooner than later. Um, with that program, we're working with uh, WCB, Workers' Compensation Board, and a list of other psychiatrists that are trying to help us get a program set up so that we can go to the employers and say, look, we know that this is happening and we know you're aware it's happening. So how can we fix these gaps that get people back to work sooner and get them the help they actually need? We really need to get rid of that stigma that mental health is not that important because it's huge. Once we actually start treating it like every other disease or illness that's out there, then we can actually start getting people healthier and have them come forward so they can get it dealt with before it gets to the point where there is no return for these people. Sharon, what have unions been doing across Canada to support workers' mental health through this difficult time? Have projects been quite local, like what Corey described with the Sask First Responders Mental Health Network? Are there national initiatives taking place? And what has the United Way been working on? I think there's a little bit of of both going on. Some unions have tapped into our labor programs and services, labor community advocate training. We developed some training initially for um, what to do when the paycheck stops. And, and that became important because people that were losing their jobs, there was a lot of layoffs initially when when the shutdowns first started happening. And so people were stressed. They were anxious about where to turn. And so we put together a training and a guide on what to do when the paycheck stops that, in, that included uh, food, housing, uh, income security pieces, and mental health options too and, and uh, supports there and how to access those. And then we also put together a training on mental health, caring for each other. And that was training stewards and leadership on how to support each other, but how to support their members as well. So communicating, noticing signs and symptoms, doing outreach, just to say, hey, how are you doing? Letting people know that someone cared, that sort of thing, uh, which was really important. And then we also developed a, a training for burnout and compassion fatigue and building resiliency. So recognizing the signs and symptoms and what does that look like. Some unions, uh, I know that uh, CUPW in Ontario connected directly with 211 to set up a line for their exclusively for their members to access. Um, there have been uh, mental health websites created by some of the affiliates They've done webinars, outreach, and have have really put the uh, where there have been benefits negotiated for counseling services, have really focused and put that front and center so members know how to access those services. Corey, what still needs to change in our approach to mental health issues here in Saskatchewan? 
One of the things I truly believe needs to change is the stigma that if you have a mental health injury, you're weak. That couldn't be further from the truth. Um, it's no different than if you fall down and break your arm. It's, it's an injury. And that, that stigma, it really prevents people from coming out and saying, I have this issue. And they try to hide it and they try to self-medicate and they try to do other things so that people don't notice and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And as soon as we can start dealing with that and making it so that everybody realizes that it's just another injury, we'll be a lot further off. Sharon, what do you think needs to change? I totally agree with Corey. There's still a lot of stigma that's related to mental health. And I think that we need to really um, practice what we preach in terms of our employers, but also within our union structures um, to, to be understanding and compassionate, to be gentle with each other and with ourselves, I think is really important. It's been a lot. Homeschooling your kids or uh, not having access to childcare. There's a number of, of social issues that have put piled on pressure after pressure, worrying about the virus, worrying about uh, dealing with people who who may be carrying it or you know harming your own loved ones if you carry it because you've been in a workplace and exposed. There's so many layers that have really created a lot of anxiety and stress in people and I think we really need to step back and give a lot of latitude and fight like hell for benefits, for funding for mental health services, for all health services, but um, fighting like hell for to make sure that workers have appropriate personal protective equipment and have access to paid sick days as they need them. Hopefully we'll get through it with more understanding and, and better solidarity within our unions and within our labor community. I'm going to put this last question to both of you. How critical is it that we strengthen mental health supports for workers in Saskatchewan? The biggest thing I I see is that the governments need to realize that people aren't faking mental health injuries. Majority of the people that I talk to that have had some type of mental health injury, they feel like they have no support. And that's the biggest thing. They need their employer to support them when they're going through this. A lot of the time now, it's it's a fight. The, the battle itself to get acknowledged that you have a mental health injury is the biggest problem that we have. Because once you start that battle, that's when most people start to give up because it's a nonstop uphill climb and you're already exhausted from the mental health battle you're fighting within yourself, let alone to fight a whole government, for lack of better words. Um, it is getting better. Like at our center now, we have a critical incident stress management team that I'm on. So after a major incident, we we get called in and we do debriefings with people. But there's a lot more room that can be done. And I'm hoping with the Saskatchewan First Responders Mental Health Committee that I'm on that we can start getting these programs out and working. Like right now, we're working on one, one initiative that logs every single person's incident that they had. That's a major incident in their career. So when they do have a mental health injury, they go to WCB and put their report in. It's all logged for them already. So they don't have to relive every single one of those incidents and try to figure out what day it was and what happened. It's already there. And we have it set up now where when you get assigned a workers' compensation member to your file, that person is with your file 
from the beginning to the end, where before you were getting shipped off to one person to the next person and having to relive it again and tell everybody what, what incidents were. So there is improvements happening. It just, we need a lot more. And, and I would say that mental health is not just the absence of mental disorder. It's a state of well-being where every individual can realize their own potential, where they can cope with normal stresses of life and can work productively and fruitfully, and, and they're able to contribute to their community. And there's a number of social determinants of health. And mental health is is part of that. So if people don't have um, access to economic resources, if they don't have social inclusion, if they don't have freedom from discrimination and violence, and, and this pandemic has created a, a whole lot of disruption to those social determinants of health, I think it's, it's not an individual problem. It becomes part of, of a system and part of a social fabric if the groundwork isn't there for people to be able to reach their potential. So I think that uh, government's role needs to be there to address those social inadequacies that set people up for challenges to their overall health, including their mental health. So people need access to affordable housing, they need healthy food, they need uh, health services and inclusion and employment and all of those things. And government has a really big role to play in ensuring that our communities offer people the opportunity to set them up for success. We're going to wrap it up there. Thank you both so much for the work you're doing to support mental health in your communities. And thank you for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. What a great opportunity. Yes, thank you very much. It's clear that addressing mental health challenges for workers isn't easy, but workers and unions have been working hard to support each other throughout the ongoing stress of COVID. If you're struggling with mental health and are looking for supports at work, please contact your SGEU steward. Or if you're looking for supports in your community, pick up your phone and call 211. Do you have a story about mental health you'd like to share with us? Find us on Twitter at SGEU or on Facebook at SGEU.SK. Thank you for joining us for Episode 5 of Pandemic at Work. Next week is our final episode, and we're talking about how COVID has impacted women and what we need to do to build an economic recovery for workers that benefits people of all genders. These are the people who are, are working hardest, they're frontline, they're more at risk of contracting COVID, and they're trying to do it all with that balancing act of family and, and work and, and home. Quebec has had affordable childcare system for decades now, and they have higher numbers of women in their workforce and I mean, we have living proof. So what more do you need? This has been an SGEU podcast. The Saskatchewan Government and General Employees Union represents 20,000 members across the province in six sectors and is affiliated with the National Union of Public and General Employees, the Saskatchewan Federation of Labour, and the Canadian Labour Congress. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at podcast at sgeu.org.